This is Jesse Borrego. Come watch my new film, Phoenix, Oregon at phoenixoregonmovie.com. And this is Inside Your Head. And I never asked to grow up, so please don't make me do it. I wasn't meant to grow up, don't think I'll make it through it. Things have been going south since I hit puberty. It looks like growing up is just too much for me. I've been pretty sick for about a year, on and off. I have um, I have a condition called endometriosis, and so I just had my second surgery for it in December. And um, I, I don't, I try not to like throw everything onto like, oh, well, that's my endometriosis, because it can have a lot of secondary effects. Do you know anything about it? No, I don't. So it, it, um, it's diagnosed. The numbers are likely much higher because, um, because it takes so long for people to be believed about their symptoms and like passed off to so many doctors. And the only way to actually diagnose it is through surgery. And a lot of doctors just go, oh, go on the pill, preventative measures. And so they don't want to diagnose because of the invasive procedure needed to do so. But apparently um, it's been diagnosed in one to 10 women globally or one to 10 people with uteruses basically because it does affect trans men as well. Um, but it's where, uh, it's, um, because of certain hormonal levels, it causes the lining of your uterus to grow on other organs outside of the uterus. Mm. And so what happens normally is like every month you get your period and then that goes away, but because it's growing on the outside of your uterus, it has no, place to go anywhere so it causes like lesions and it causes like organs to get stuck together it causes infertility it causes like all sorts of things and um and it's quite common it's it's yeah one in ten women but likely higher and so it's also something that hasn't been talked about or shared much because there's um because women's health has just been so underfunded for so long and particularly that area has been underfunded but what it does is it causes you know it can have a myriad of different uh, symptoms based on, you know, some people don't even know that they have it until they can't get pregnant and then they go in for surgery and they find that that's the reason. While other people don't have any problems getting pregnant, but it's debilitating pain or it's fatigue. And it's, and so for me, the big thing that's been is fatigue. And then because of the fatigue, depression, and then because of the depression, fatigue, and it's like, you know, that spiral. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I've been going through that for about a year and a half. And it's caused me to like completely change, like, you know, the way I look, the way I think, the way I function, the way I talk about my own um, obstacles or boundaries. And uh, so, yeah, I'm in this like really interesting place where everything is kind of different and it's affected my work a lot in about mm -hmm. the past year and a half. And so anyway, I started talking about that <laughs> because I was going to say that um, in that time, you know, I'm, I'm really bringing up a lot of the things like, should I stop drinking altogether? Because I can't just, I can't find that balance or, or maybe my balance is still too high or, you know, right. um, and like just to have that clear headedness. Cause I, I found that like, you know, my, the way I think and, um, and not like what I think, but like actually the way that I think has been affected because I just, it's like foggy a lot. So it takes, it takes that much more energy or work for me to actually get things done. But I also think that like I'm 30, how old am I now? I'm 34 now. And so, um, <laughs> I've gotten to this point where, I don't know, it's like, you know, like different 
times in your life when you're like, oh, wow, I now have a brand new understanding of what has happened previously. <laughs> right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking at the silver lining. I think it's just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going through an awakening. Let's call it that. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you said it, uh, it affects your work, do you just mean like a lot of the fatigue and like, how does it affect your work? Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me less efficient. Um, I can go through times where I'm just like bouncing off the walls with like excitement and inspiration and able to do the things that I want to do to, to end up with a finished product. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's the difference too, because the work is also in the discovery for like the grander scheme of things. But in terms of like finished products, it makes it even harder because I can't just get up and go and do the things that, that I need to do. I, I feel like, because I, I have to sleep a lot. Like when I, because I work from home unless, or, you know, unless I'm on set or something, cause I am an actor as well and I still do act, but I, um, to not like, I'm trying to find that sleep schedule again. And so I won't set an alarm unless I have like a meeting at a specific time or something. Yeah. But I like, naturally I don't feel rested and my brain doesn't feel sharp enough until I sleep about like 10 or 11 hours. Mm-hmm. And so the fatigue is like, and then it makes you even, it, and then it makes you like, you know, be even harder on yourself because you're like, oh my God, I'm useless. <laughs> right. right. Like all the, like all that self-talk, the like negative self-talk and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I hope you weren't. Ex- uh, no, because that. Inspirational no, interview. I, <laughs> no, well, it should go wherever it goes, I think. And, you know, you, why make something up? But, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, was I going to go there? You were just saying about, oh, like, um. Because then you you waste more energy and more time, uh, like you said, thinking about like you know why did I why didn't I do more why didn't I, why did I sleep you know uh, longer for the day, and then so even the actual time that you are awake and ready to do something, uh, you're instead of doing something, you're taking away the time <laughs> thinking why you did totally this yeah. yeah, which decreases that time anyway, right? Like I mean, on right. top of that, so it's really really tough and. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of work recently, specifically trying to like find the source. Like I'm very much a source person. If you can find the, the source of something, you can be so much more efficient in fixing it, which then will also tell you about me that I'm a fixer, which is like really fucking hard when you're, you know, when you're like that sort of perfectionist and you can't, you feel like you can't get to that. And then it's, it's like, it's just a spiral. It's a spiral of like the same shit over and over again. And so I think that's where, I don't know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what's the point of life? And like, how is one truly happy? And then right before bed, I go off. I mean, I don't fucking know. And then I try to go to bed and then I wake up the next day and it starts all over again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, I, haven't... I was going to say is like, is, uh, you know, maybe this in a great uh, way to put this, but like the, the idea of overthinking things and, you know, you know, why are this way and stuff, do you think that has also helped you in your writing? And, and being okay. like a creator so this is the crazy part and this also adds more frustration is that i went on an antidepressant for probably about like three four months and mm-hmm. it made it even worse it made me gain an extra 30 pounds it made me like it was it was brutal but it just quieted the noise inside my head mm-hmm. which in many ways made me feel so much more calm so much less um reactive and and in that way, it felt good, but it was so 
hard to do anything creative because it's kind of like, you know, those, I've never been to one, but like, I think Japanese restaurants where like the sushi will come along on the train. Yeah, yeah I know exactly what you mean. I've never been to yeah. one either. I've actually just wanted to be to one, but yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like that when when I feel like when I can just be myself and I'm, you know, not medicated or anything. And then, but like, it's like this, this, um, conveyor belt like whizzing by with shit but then you grab shit and you end up making really cool things out of it but it's like when you're on meds it's like that conveyor belt just comes to a stop and there are these same three things that are just sitting there like rotting away and 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 you know you don't you don't have the materials that you need to you know be brilliant quote unquote and so it definitely has affected my work and and like and it does that's the thing is like I'm trying to find that balance of being able to like remain calm in the right way to get through the day etc but still have the things that I need the things you know um like the superpowers that's what I I tend to call them it's like when something looks like it could be bad from the outside I try to turn it around like a superpower and Mm -hmm. so I think what my superpower has been when I'm not medicated is that I can feel the entire gamut of emotions all at once and that has 100% supported me in my writing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's something that I strive for. Like, even with writing her story in three parts, um, for number two, for instance, Hush Little Baby, mm-hmm. like that, I wrote that just, so my partner and I moved from Toronto to Vancouver. We um, renovated an old school bus and we like drove it across country. We went down to Kentucky first and drank some whiskey and stuff. But um, <laughs> we kind of like drove across from the, the bourbon trail. We stopped off in Standing Rock. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> we went up across like Idaho and Washington and stuff. And then we ended up here and we lived under the Lionsgate Bridge in Vancouver, like trolls. That's right. I always say, but it was a really nice RV park. We lived there and on the streets of Vancouver. Like we would move around, stay on the beach until they kicked us out, stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> and in that time, I was writing Hush Little Baby. And um, it was when we were at the RV park and Paul was off at work. He's a chef. And I would just like sit there in this like 80 square foot, not even maybe 60 square foot bus by myself writing. And um, I found that a lot of it had to do more with listening to your characters and telling them what to say and writing it down, you know? So I think for me, it's like a really organic process. Um, And especially being an actor, like, I don't know, you know, if if it was the chicken or the egg, but like, I don't know if I became an actor because I naturally was prone to creating this way or if my training as an actor has helped me in my writing even more because for an actor, you have to, like, look at the script <clears throat> and figure out how to embody a real person using those words, right? And so um, I tend to write that way. It's like I try to, like, just listen to my characters and embody them in some way and see see what they're saying to each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um rather than like, oh, how do I make this really intense? Or like, how do I? And so writing Hustle Little Baby is a really emotional process for me because to me, that's like one of my worst nightmares is like someone you love trapped in a place in prison for something terrible that we all admit they did, mm-hmm. but you still love them. And you like, how do you care for somebody? Yeah, like, that's, that what, that's what I found for the second one, like so compelling because I think uh, a lot of people would would have wrote that or even performed it in a way where it's clear that she hates you know, hates her father. Um, mm-hmm. but it's very, uh, I think it's more realistic. 
the portrayal in in your film because i think that's what people would feel it's not as opposed to what i think sometimes actually i don't know if you ever watch a show barry but um okay because there's this um a woman um she wants to do like a play about um her uh, abusive uh boyfriend or ex-boyfriend and when she does it like very the way it really happened like it's very emotional but then when she does it the way she thinks people would would like to see it like where mm-hmm. she's where she like you know just tells them off and leaves mm-hmm. um you know it's a totally different thing but uh but anyway it's kind of what i was going like uh, this isn't done like to be dramatic i think it's done to be realistic which makes it makes it dramatic Oh, good. I'm glad that that came off. You never quite yeah. know how your shit's going to come off until right, right. you walk, right? So, um, but yeah, like something that I always go for, it's such a broad term and like so broad, but the best way I can put it is like, I'm always going for truth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that can mean a myriad of things. And that using that key can help you in any different way that you need. Like sometimes it's like the truth of the situation or the truth of that, that phrase. Or the truth of a reaction or the truth of, you know, it's like, and and that can be a scary thing. And I think for me and my work, that's the most challenging for me. In some ways, writing is easy for me, but in some ways, uh it's really fucking hard because it requires the time to get really truthful, which is scary. Yeah. And to let go, like to really dig, you know, like to get dirty. Uh Uh-huh. And so. I was going to actually ask that, like, which is like, which is more like emotionally, um, you know, harder for you to actually perform like that scene or to write it? Um, it really depends. I find acting difficult. I find it really, really difficult, but I think it's difficult because I think the, the difficulty of it comes from fear. Like anything to me, like how, what I've realized recently in life is like, if anything is difficult, it's likely fear based. Mm-hmm. Like it's the fear that's making it difficult for you. And, 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 facing fear and turning that into a tool is a hard process because it's scary. (laughs) And so, um, so acting to me, like I realized it's really hard for me to just be myself. You know, if I, if I'm like sharing something on Instagram or I have to do like a video for something as myself for like, you know, an acting competition or something that I've done in the past, like I find it really, really hard because all of a sudden you're like, I just have to be me right now. And, um, so in some ways, like acting can be a helpful tool and be easier because it's not that it's something that you hide behind, but it, it's like, it's like you're putting on your armor to face the world. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's what I, that's what it feels like to me being an actor, but putting on armor isn't always the easiest thing. It's heavy, it's clunky, it can jab you in the rib, it can like, you know, and so, um, but like one, once it's done well, and once you're like set up really well, then it's great. And you know, you look like a badass and you're protected and every, and, and you're ready for, you're ready for battle. And so in that way, I find asking very difficult writing as well. Like, um, I'm, I've, I've gotten to a point where I, I can listen really well as a writer and I can't listen as well. If, like I said, you know, I'm on medication, let's say, because it numbs it and it's like hard. It's like, it, it puts, um, like earmuffs on me. And I can't listen as well. But when I can listen and when I get to that flow state, I love that term. The flow state is something I've been learning recently from this really great guy in L.A. named Joe Town. 
I've done a couple of workshops with him and it's all about fixed versus growth mindset. And he, his work has like changed my life entirely in like a month. And, um, but yeah, so it's like when I'm writing, once you get into that flow state, it's great, but it's still difficult because as we know, writing is in the rewriting, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like, Oh, let me throw this down in an hour. And and it's it's great. Um, I recently did this workshop uh, program called women in the director's chair and it's their story and leadership program. And women in the director's chair has been run for the past 23 going into the 24th year by uh, Dr. Carol Whiteman. And she's incredible here in Vancouver. And so she created the system to um, help bolster female filmmakers and it's kind of funny that she's been doing it for 24 years and she thought 24 years ago, like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing to help women in, in the industry. And here we are still doing it, still trying to like create more, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, we haven't reached equality yet, but Hey, maybe one day, maybe in the next 25 years. Um, and uh, what I was going to say is that uh, in working with her, I discovered that, what was I saying? I'm talking about writing. It was, uh, um, I forget the term you used, but something flow. Oh yeah. yeah. Flow state with Joe. And then, yeah. Oh yes. Writing is in the rewriting. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Linda coffee is this great story editor who works with women in the director's chair and she helped. Um, so this program is to develop your first feature film or your first, uh, scripted, uh, TV show. And so I'm developing my first feature film. It's called man in pieces. It's about a mentally ill black man, on death row in 1950s rural BC. <laughs> and it's a psychological thriller meets horror from the perspective of this man who uh, has both multiple personality disorder, now known as dissociative identity disorder, and schizophrenia. And so that's the project that I'm currently working on. And Linda Coffey is a story editor for this program. And she um, she told us the story of, oh, what's it called? The one about the little girl and they're on a, like they're in a van and the family goes on a field trip. Little Miss Sunshine. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I know the movie. Yeah. Um, And apparently that writer, he wrote that, he wrote the script in a day. The first draft. Uh And then it proceeded to go through like 50 drafts. (laughs) You know? So it's like, it's like the work is really in the rewriting. So I find to answer (laughs) To answer your question, (laughs) um, I think there are different challenges in both. And for me, I find great joy and I think purpose in both realms, in both mediums. Mm -hmm. And I think it depends project to project um, Mm -hmm. on which will be easier or more challenging. I will say, however, for her story in three parts, I didn't find the acting of any of them very difficult because simply because of the fact that I had been with these women for so long because I right. wrote it. Yeah. So I rewrote it. Like, yeah. yeah, I rewrote it, I rewrote it, I rewrote it. <laughs> and so like, you know, when you get a script, you're like, whatever, doing a job on TV and it's like, you get the script the day before. And, um, that's why it's so challenging to be an actor when you haven't written something yourself and you're taking someone else's work because you have to do the work in a very short amount of time to make it seem as if you did read it, write it two years before, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so for this time around, it was a little bit simpler. Uh, and, and also I, I function really well under pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I learned about going back to flow state as well. Um, 
the the pressure it's like preparedness and pressure together mm-hmm. and so <laughs> when we shot all of these it was kind of like it's now or never babe like <laughs> you uh-huh. cannot fail right now there's no option to fail yeah and so you kind of just have to do whatever you need to do to like pull up your bootstraps and make it happen and mm-hmm. i think i function better under that for sure there's something uh before i forget about it because i do find it very interesting when you're talking about the medication and how it Mm -hmm. could um it could um because i think the idea of the medication is to keep you in the middle you know not like the real highs or the real lows and -hmm. which is to keep you like a healthy human being and and in in the you know in the real world but Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what you want uh when you're creating something because you have to delve into those emotions so exactly. I'm not telling anyone not to not to take medication or anything, but I could see the challenge of keeping the balance between wanting to be a functioning regular person in the world, but also wanting to be, you know, a creative artist. Totally. And like and that's where like my daily life challenge comes from because I feel like, you know, it's like I can when I'm not <laughs> it's like when I am on medication or not, I can blink and, and two and a half weeks have gone by. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, where did that time go? Like, what am I going to, you know, what am I going to do without that? And then I get, like, hung up on that. And my partner is always telling me he just wishes I could be nicer to myself. <laughs> because, like, he doesn't want me to, like, carry this, right. you know, guilt and self-hatred for wasting time or whatever. Any of, any of the stuff that we're not supposed to do in society, right? Like, there's this constant inundation of the idea that we have to be we have to be efficient. We have to be productive. We have to do this. We have to go, go, go. We, oh my God. It's so, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Like, and it's so, um, it's like praised and worshiped. Right. And then next thing you know, people are in the hospital with a heart attack at like 45. And it's because we really created this system where we never give ourselves a chance to just slow down. Yeah. But then what happens is if I give myself too much time to slow down, then I feel bad about it. <laughs> and I, and I like, and then I'm like less efficient, but I'm, I'm very, very, um, fortunate that I have a partner who like just gets it like he's so consistent and like level-headed and mm-hmm. calm and like non-judgmental so very he's very much he's like a really big support system for me mm-hmm. um like he'll even help me write like he'll like transcribe what I'm saying for you know for cover letters for grants sometimes because I'm like oh, I can't like I just cannot do it I can't physically do it right now yeah. and so like, like I, I'm very, very fortunate to have somebody who, who allows me, as I'm trying to figure out how to find that balance, it, like, allows me to just try to figure it out without any, like, outside opinions as to how it should go. He's just, I love one of the things he always says. He's, he's uh, let's make this interview about Paul. So, <laughs> Paul's been a chef for 25 uh-huh. years, and he's a really great leader in that sense. And, like, he has cooks who, you know, would follow him anywhere because he's just such a, like, caring supportive person who truly cares about the development of people rather than like his own ego or his own um his own goals or aspirations right not that he doesn't have them but just like when he's training people like his skill his his true gift is his natural ability to develop people and make them believe in themselves and he does that because he treats people like they've already achieved their potential he doesn't put them through the ringer to go oh i see something over there let me kick your ass into proving to me whether or not you can do it. He treats them like they already do it, which in turn empowers them to be able to succeed. And so he does that um, for me a lot because what I was going to say is one of the first things he always asks people is he doesn't come in and say, oh, you need to do this, 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 and this to make it better. He comes in and says, what do you need? What Mm -hmm. can I do for you? 
right? And so he's been able to do that a lot in my process. Um, actually, he's the reason I made her story in three parts because I started, there were three stories that were completely different that weren't really related. And they just have these like weird little like seeds of ideas that like poke at me at different times. And then actually Hush Little Baby, it was the creepiest thing. I was like, not creepiest. Cause I, I know that this is a strength of mine now. Like it's something that my mom said since I was a kid, I could just say things like weird things that nobody else would know and, or like things they shouldn't know, but I would right. know them for some reason. Uh-huh. And I think that that's something that I've been trying to like cultivate more as I grow older. But, um, hush of a baby it was like middle of the night and i couldn't sleep as per usual and all of a sudden i just like saw this man in an orange jumpsuit and his daughter on the other side of this glass and they were just talking to each other and but they weren't saying anything but there's so much like sadness and love at the same time in their eyes just in a quiet moment and i was like holy fuck like holy shit that's like that's the story oh my god that's the story and so um, that was like one of the clearest of the three that came out. And then the other two kind of came from like other ideas, but then as they, you know, as they slowly rewrote them and rewrote them, I realized that they had a common vein and that was like shame. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when I finished, <laughs> I kept telling Paul about these stories. This is when I used to work in a restaurant. That's where we met. He was the, the older hot chef and I stole him. <laughs> and, um, and so I was telling him about these stories and he was like, Hey, you have the next three days off. I just had like a week where I didn't have to work for three days. And he's like, yeah. you're sitting here on the couch and you're writing this until it's done. And then, um, sometime in that period, he came home and I was like, I am finished. <laughs> and I handed it to him, like, you know, the Holy grail. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he read to me and he was like, these are good. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he's like, who's going to direct them? I was like, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to find somebody to direct them. And he goes, you should direct them. And I was like, oh, no, I should. Because <laughs> um, I had never directed before. I love movies, and I've always loved movies so, mm-hmm. so much. But I guess growing up, my love for movies just naturally translated into me being an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really thought of directing. But then in that moment when he said that, I realized that, like, all of my memories, and I said this before, like, all of my memories, when I think back on them, they they look like I'm watching them through a lens. Like they look like a movie to me, you know? And it's like, sometimes there's like voiceover narration, like my own voice. Uh And sometimes it's, you know, it's just like, and it's, and so I realized in that moment, I'm like, holy shit, I'm a director. But it's, but when I think about it, it makes sense. Cause I've been an artist my whole life and I've worked in different mediums my whole life since I was a kid, you know? And I've been selling stuff and like, pounding the pavement trying to like hawk my shit like my whole life Uh and so when you put all that together you're like oh well of course there are certain specific skills as a director that you'll need to learn like especially technically but but for the most part it's like you have what you need to get going to get you know to do it and I love what Tarantino says he's like he's like oh if you want to you know advice for filmmakers if you want to make movies just go out and make movies Mm -hmm. just do it and then do it again and again and um oh I forget which of his films it was you might know this but that it took him like years to finish it. Cause he would just like work his part-time job and like make some more money to fund his film. And then he would shoot another part and then he'd shoot another part. It was like one of his very, very early. Uh, before anybody. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure, but <clears throat> I was just at his theater in, in, uh, in LA, but uh, no, I'm nice. not sure. The, yeah. Which very cool to be, to be. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure, but uh, I've heard, yeah, I've heard the quote before, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it and it, it's true too because uh, you know I think a lot of people think of of something 
And then if you never actually do it, you know, it's, it's just a thought. So, and, mm-hmm. and I also think the repetition of doing something, uh, you know, if you, if you keep making stuff, you know, you get better at it because uh, it's practice mm-hmm. and, and you're doing it. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, this last year when I just, uh, again, I don't want to make about me, but this last year when I got uh, much healthier, not just physically, but mentally, and uh, much more productive, I did a short film that's at the, well, was at the festivals when there were festivals, and then uh, I uh, finished two features with friends of mine. So it's, uh, wow. I'm excited about that. Uh, hopefully, the, hopefully there'll be a place to, to see them eventually uh, when the yeah. theater is open, but yeah. I would love to see them if you ever want to share them with me. Sure. The uh, the um, the short is finished, and I can send you the link to it. Uh, the features are being edited at the moment. Nice. That's like, like that's a huge feat. And, like I think that is so amazing. I think that's so incredible that like we as creatures have the ability to you know go go away and like whittle away at something and put our like our essence, our souls and our thoughts and our breath into it and then and then you know come out with it and be like and here you go and then people watch it and they have an experience like i just it just blows my mind when you think of it like that you know i love it oh definitely yeah it was interesting we talked about writing because um a friend of mine that i made making the the first feature um trista robinson is the actor in it and um she had brought up because i was writing some stuff after i did the movies uh because i didn't write these and so I was just writing stuff. Uh, a, lot, a lot of it I write when I'm just walking in my head, and then I get home and put it down somewhere. But uh, and mm-hmm. she she mentioned that writing is much more brave than acting, and I didn't think about that before. And then after she said that, and then she wanted to see some of the stuff I was writing. I was writing, and I thought, oh yeah, it is it is much harder for me to send uh, something that I wrote because it's like more personal to me. Then mm-hmm. send to like someone a, a video of something you know that I was in, and I didn't think about it. And then, and then you really you know br- brought that up during this interview. Yeah, it's it's a scary thing, right? But um, you know, I've gotten the question like, what advice do you have for somebody trying to like make their own stuff or whatever? And I always say, you know, it's so so hard, but be brave and be um, don't be so precious about showing your scripts to people. Mm. Like, I understand, like, you know, take the time and respect the process. That's something that, that Dr. Carol Whiteman has said recently, and I really like, like, really respect the process of, of what it takes and train yourself to know when it's time, but don't be, don't allow the fear to hold you back from sharing things. And, like, for instance, her story in three parts, she went through so many drafts as well because I was constantly chasing deadlines for grants and awards and stuff like that. And so every single time um, there'd be a new deadline. I would go through more of it, but imagine if I had never shared that first draft because I was like, Oh, it's not there yet. I need seven more drafts. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I find something that um, can be hard for people who are more like binary in their thinking is to realize that art, a script, a film and the editing process, or even after acting, it's all a living organism. Like it's something that will change and grow or shrink or fart or like whatever right like uh-huh. there, there are these like i think if you can look at at a piece of art like a living organism then it does two things like it i think it can be really exciting and and it can make you feel really valuable in being able to experience that specifically living organism but it can also 
from the creative side, like, or the creating side can put you at ease a little bit because then you're not trying to like look for this perfection. You're trying to look for the truth, right? You're trying to, because um, I like what Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky said, and I say it all the time now that you don't finish a film, you abandon a film. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's like, you can just keep working on it forever. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, I would say that's true. Writing is the scariest thing and most the most brave thing to hand it off to somebody. <laughs> and it's probably yeah. like the second scariest thing to say, this is done now. And yeah. I'm going to move on to something else. Right? It's, yeah, it's interesting. My friend Annabelle, she's a painter. And uh, whenever I would ask if something's done or not, she'd have a similar thing. It's like, it's never, your art's never done. It's just yeah. when you stop, when you stop, when you stop doing it. So it was very similar, mm-hmm. uh, similar idea. Yeah, I love that. It's so yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the, and it's true too, right? Because like, then you go back to something like five years later. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you might change it a bit or you might just go, wow, I would have done that differently. I've grown so much. And then you go right. on to your next one, right? Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm excited to start, uh, not start, but like, I'm, I'm excited to be working on my first feature. It is the mm-hmm. scariest thing I've ever done because I love the art form of the short film, mm-hmm. but I want to get, I want to be at a point where I'm making features or I'm directing features in TV only. And then, you know, for fun, once my friends like yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling and, right. and and Stone want to come and make a short film with me for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's like it's, it's very scary because my brain naturally works in this like I love it the short format because it's, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to be so real and memorable and poignant in like one short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, features um, present their own challenges. So yeah, it's and a just, scary process. And just from a practical standpoint. Um, you know, if you make a feature, you could sell the DVD or video on demand and w- with a short, I mean, I love shorts too, but you know, you can't necessarily sell that. I guess there's more platforms now where you can do something with it, but, uh, it's just that it's a different thing than, than a feature. Totally. You should check out, um, the discover film awards in London. Mm-hmm. So I won their Craig Hopper's film prize or grand prize two in 20, 2018. So two Octobers ago, um, and their their whole thing is is like they realize that short films have the ability to be something that they aren't currently, which is like popular, mainstream, um, and commercially viable. And so their whole thing is all short films, and they also have a platform where they they function as a market for buyers to buy the short film. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just great. They're everything shorts, and I love them. And Jane Green, who runs it, is like a nut in the best kind of way. She's really lovely, and so check out Discover Film Awards. Oh, very cool! Because I have, they do seem to uh, have definitely grown in popularity over the last few years. I think some of it is uh, due to the festivals, and also uh, it's easier for people to watch. People have shorter attention spans, and yeah. I also think it's uh, it's a because we've all seen movies that are like obviously padded out just to be an hour and a half, and they didn't need to be, right. and and I just think like something should just be the length of the time it needs to tell that story, whether if that's, you know, three minutes or if it's four hours, but you know, what, whatever it is to tell that story. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I love the, um, that saying, um, 
they don't know who to credit it to, or they're constantly arguing about who wrote it, but it's the, um, a guy wrote a letter and he wrote, um, sorry, something like, sorry about such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a shorter one. <laughs> right. And so, um, I think it was like Napoleon. They, well, they think it's Napoleon or someone else, but anyway. Um, and so like that, yeah, that's what I, I like about it as well. And, but the fact is, is that like, you're right. Like our attention spans are getting shorter. It's a really interesting time to see how things are going to, how things are going to change. Hey, yeah. I mean, and with Quibi coming out, although they, I know they, I think they've stalled their launch because of coronavirus, but um, Quibi should be pretty interesting. But I don't yeah. know. I don't think we need to like feed the shorter attention spans more. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> I was, I did, I had a very small part in a, in a local short film and I was like the oldest person there. And, but I was talking to like the other, the other actors and stuff. And one of the, he was probably like 20, I'd say. And he just started mentioning that he does a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, well, I think it came out because they were, they were all talking about movies they did. And at the time, I didn't do anything. And they're like, well, why are you here? And I was like, oh, well, I had the guy on my podcast that he liked me and he told me to come out. And they're like, okay. But anyway, um, and so, but anyway, he said that he edits his podcast down to, I think it was 90 seconds at the time. I think now you're only allowed 60 seconds on Instagram. Yeah. So they're so they're on Instagram, and I was like, like a trailer, you know, like listen to this and then go listen to the whole thing. And he's like, no, that's the whole podcast. And I just couldn't yeah. wrap my my mind around that. And he's like, well, no one will listen to anything over ten minutes. And I was like, well, I have some interviews that are four hours long. And he just looked at me the way same way I was thinking about him. Like he just couldn't wrap his his head around something that was four hours. And but I couldn't understand something that was ninety seconds. So it was it was very strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Man, what is this world? I think <laughs> something's really interesting. Like Paul noticed it and mentioned it, but like he thinks that you know, even if we do, even if 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 the virus is contained and and it stops, that like just this whole experience is going to change the way we interact with one another, and like social distancing is going to become more normal. Although I did read today that um, they're thinking that. Uh, the Canadian government is going to try to um, try to enforce social distancing for up to a year. Um, which is like, it's so crazy because I understand both sides and people are like, mm -hmm. they think it's a conspiracy or whatever. Well, I don't understand that side as much, but right. they think it's a conspiracy and they're like, fuck you, martial law. And like, oh. don't let the government control you. And it's like, I don't know. I know it's tough. I mean, yeah. I'm enjoying, I'm a homebody anyway, so this oh. feels like not very different to me. Like Paul's going out and doing all the shopping and I'm just staying at home, which is, you know, right. just another day in our life. Um, but it's really interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, no, it's, be it's, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, you know, originally it was like everyone thought, oh, in two weeks or a month. And, but yeah, the, the more you see a lot of, some people are saying like 18 months, so uh, who knows how long it'll, it's it's it is a very uh, very strange time for sure, mm -hmm. and I know like yeah. a lot of the movies now are, um, you know doing where you can it's sort of like video on demand, but it's you know you can see do movies at the theater at your home, and then I see right. a lot of people talking like if that takes off, you know that might be the future of movies as opposed to if because they could cut out the middleman and not have the theater and just you know the studio could send them right to 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 video on demand basically and people would random instead of going to theaters but uh 
Totally. Which would be un- very unfortunate. I love going to theater. I know, me too. When I'm having a bad day, I go to the movies and I just sit there for like four movies. <laughs> I do <laughs> the same, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. And uh, every Halloween at a uh, local theater, Coolidge in uh, Brookline, uh, they do a 12-hour horror movie marathon from midnight till noon the next day. And uh, I mean, it's, I look forward to it every every year. Hopefully, it happens this year. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, you gotta have to pace yourself, get up and walk around between movies so you don't fall asleep. But but it's yeah, but totally. it's a good time. <laughs> so we're forty minutes in here, so I should probably bring this up. We mentioned her story told in three parts a few times, but I'll let everybody know what exactly that is. It's uh, it's an anthology of your three short films. Now, when you so you said you know about Paul telling you to write, you know, encouraging you to write these. Not telling you to write these, encouraging you to write these. Was the idea always to put them together in an anthology or to play them as separate shorts? Uh, I think, I think, okay. So I think that I didn't always know the reasons as to why these three completely separate stories would be an anthology, but over time they've come up, and that that seems to be kind of the norm with me. Like I'll know something through and through to my bones but I don't, I won't know the reasons why it's going to work until they present themselves later on. And so for instance, with her story in three parts, it's actually been a really great, um, it was a great way to just kind of like put everything I had into something to, to make a space for myself. I was at, I was at a point as an actor where like, I felt like Canada wasn't really paying attention to me. You know, I was like this struggling actor auditioning constantly and like, and doing good work in that way, but just never working, never booking anything. Mm-hmm. And I was pissed. I was like, come on, like pay attention to me already. <laughs> um, so I, you know, it turned out that I was like, well, Canada is not going to pay attention to me. I'm going to have to take over Canada. And so that's how we ended up shooting in Montreal, Toronto and Vancouver. Also because I wanted to learn how I learned a little bit about how each of the cities worked so that like when I was back there shooting again, I could kind of be like, Oh yeah, I got this. I know this. And like just, you know, slip right into it. Um, but the thing about having something like this where each film stands alone on its own is that when one of them does well, they all do well. And so that, you know, it's just, it's given me a, um, a stronger, more valuable product to put out there into the world. And also the fact that they're just about an hour, um, I'm, you know, in totally. talks with a few distribution companies, um, a few production companies in, in Canada to package them together mm-hmm. as a feature and try to sell them that way. So, like, I don't know. It's just, I, I guess it, I don't really know the answer to that question. It was like, let's do this. It feels good. Yeah. <laughs> it feels right. Yeah. Were you uh, always going to, Did when you were writing them, did you know, like, you were going to play the three main characters? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think I, I envisioned it like that, but I wasn't, like, 100% sold on it. But then somewhere, like, not too far along in the process, I was like, okay, Camille, who you're kidding? Of course you're going to play these people. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so, because, and it was because I was listening to people being like, oh, you've never directed before. Oh, how are you going to direct and act? Oh, you want to act in all of them? Like, you know, all that bullshit that people <laughs> who are feeling badly about themselves try to put onto right, you. Right. And so I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I had a friend who isn't really a friend so much anymore, I guess. But the first time I said, oh, I'm going to do this, she, goes, she went, yeah, but like, have you ever directed before? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, don't do it. Maybe I'll just do it now and then I'll have directed. Like, 
go fuck yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, um, so it kind of all just came together. It helps that I'm a pretty stubborn person in general, and I have been since I was a kid. So it's like, as soon as somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm like, watch me. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so, you know, I guess, but that's, 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 um, that can be a dangerous aspect too. So it's like, you have to learn when to use that as a tool and mm-hmm. when to not be stubborn or let your ego get in the way so that it can like eventually be more of a detriment, you know, it's like, you have to yeah. really, and that's a lot of that, like, you know, self work, whatever, blah, 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 that I'm trying to do so that I can be stronger in what I have and realistic about what I don't have mm-hmm. and know my boundaries. But recognize my boundaries so that I can push them a little further if that's what I want with that goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Have you run into a lot yeah. of that, uh, like people that are negative, uh, when you start to do Cause I've run into it the last year, uh, quite a bit, oddly enough, that people that, you know, that either were you're friendly with or, or like legit friends with that. Like, uh, when you start to do something, they are negative to it. Oh my God, totally. And I think it's for many reasons, but two of the most common reasons are A, it's like their deeply rooted um, fears about what they can and can't do. But also I think sometimes people are just like, I don't think they're like trying to hurt you. Sometimes they Mm -hmm. just like, it is a real question because what they've been trained, because like they're products of their environments, you know? So there are times when it really pisses me off and there are other times when I'm like, you can leave it be because like, that's not your issue. Right. You know? They mean well. Yeah. yeah. They mean well. Or like, even, even if they don't, it's like, well, man, I'm not taking <laughs> on your shit right now. Like I got uh-huh. to through my own, like you go do you over there away from me. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. Right? Like I hate it. I hate it so much. And, and it's something, um, of something that I do personally, like I'm very aware of not saying shit like that to people. Mm-hmm. But it's because I truly do believe that the possibilities are endless. Like, I really, really, really believe it, like, deep down inside of me. We have what now? Like, seven, is it eight? How many billion people on the planet? Like, a lot a lot, a lot of billions <laughs> of people. Right, right. Multiple <laughs> and millions. Totally. And, like, with that many people, how are the possibilities not endless? Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, it's just, it's, I just think there's so much opportunity and I do see everything as an opportunity and it can be really hard to work with people who don't see it like that. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to me before. And like very recently where, you know, I go in all like excited and like, and this is what we could do, but just by nature of how these people currently work, I'm not saying that people are always going to be like that, but sometimes you can't work with people in a specific moment in time because, because you don't see eye to eye in that moment. And mm-hmm. so like it's really hard to work with people when they don't see that as well, because everything that you present as an opportunity mm-hmm. looks like, looks like a deterrent to them. Right. And it's, and, and then you're using your energy, having to explain the things in, man, this is exhausting. Like, I don't want to have to prove to you that this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it will, maybe it won't, but let's just try it and like get on with our days, you know? Yeah. And so that can be really difficult. I think that's the thing that annoys me the most is about people when they have that sort of mentality. It's mm-hmm. like, you can have a mentality, but, but get out of my way. It's like people drive slowly in the left lane, you know, like mm-hmm. go drive slow over there. You're, you're slowing me down. <laughs> all right. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, for the second one, hush little baby, which we talked a little bit about, um, since it's primarily you and, and the father character, it'd be really mm-hmm. important to, to get a good actor for, for that role. So was it hard to, to cast someone to play, to play your father in, in that part? Okay. So Bill McDonald, 
mm-hmm. is brilliant. He's yeah, he's great. A working, like like doing the good, the good gritty work for like maybe forty years now. Yeah, he's from Montreal originally, um, like me, and so I think we like hit it off right away for that reason. But finding Bill was a happy accident because a week before we went to camera, we had originally cast AC Peterson, who is another brilliant man, and I love them both and call them both pops now. So, because um, they've become good friends of mine. And um, AC Peterson, uh, if you look him up, he's, he's done a ton of work as well. He's just like this brilliant madman. And um, a week before, he, he ended up booking uh, X-Files and had to go to Vancouver. We shot Hustle to Baby in Toronto. So he had to go to Vancouver for like a significant period of time. Uh, and so we're like, oh my God. Because it, it, it was really hard, the process, to put Hustle to Baby together. I mean, a prison and like very little funding and you know very little crew and and so a week before we're like what are we gonna do but ac he was like i know this like this good friend of mine bill i think you should really consider him and then um we talked on the phone and like assessed on his work and i was like oh my god this guy is like amazing and then we just had such a great experience like Bill is such an open actor and he's like a real like actor's actor, you know, like he's there for you and he doesn't have any fear in like, he's very well versed in like knowing the questions to ask to help the scene move along. And, um, and it was, he was just so there like emotionally available and that made it that much easier. Like we shot his coverage first. Um, and then we turned around and did mine. But by the time we did mine, it was like we had we'd found so many beautiful moments already. So like the fact that I was doing this for the first time and that was the first time I'd done something that like hearty, like that much screen time for a character um, where like the story was about her, you know, on screen. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was just so lovely to have him to help support me and like carry me through, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he really did like carry me through the scene because he was there, like just so there, like it was real. Like it was when I think back about when we shot those scenes, like it in hindsight, like the moment we were done, it just felt like it felt like I'd come out of a dream or something. Like I knew that all that had happened, but it felt mm-hmm. sort of like fuzzy and cozy in a weird way. Yeah. Um, because we had to move so fast as well. But it was just like, boom, boom. I think we each got like maybe two or three takes mm-hmm. or something like that because we just had to move, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it was a lot, like I credit the success of that film, whatever success we have um, encountered because of Bill's support and just like true artistry. It's, and, it's a really powerful scene like when he's confronted with the question um you know mm-hmm. if he uh and there's not even like a lot of dialogue there and just like his his uh his response like in his expressions and like you know he <laughs> he knows that she knows and like so you don't need a lot of dialogue there it's it's uh it's stronger just watching yeah. them as as opposed to like everyone explaining everything ex- what you're supposed to feel or what or what exactly the question is or what exactly happened or, or what didn't happen totally and that was something that like i mean and so was he did you guys like talk a lot before you film that scene like how, how are you going to play it or was it really um, he knew how he's going to play it we had like 
maybe we met like once or twice and had lunch. Um, and then, whoops, my, I'm getting weird texts and I have this weird sound that's happening. Um, yeah, we met once or twice for lunch, I think. And then we did do some talking. We rehearsed a little bit by just like doing it and seeing what came up. Um, yeah, but it's, he, like I said, like he just made it so easy because there wasn't, like he, what I liked about his and like acting with him is that he's kind of just like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, let's go. And then we just like do it, you know, because you can fall into wasting time mm-hmm. getting really heady about it and like talking about it and like theorizing, but none of that matters if you're not just doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, and I like the, I like the, the doing. I like yeah. the talking. I'm a talker, but. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> but, um, and then, but I like just the doing of it to discover in the doing. Yeah, this is just a it's really a great scene, and then your response. I mean, you could tell like she loves her father, and the idea if this has happened, like it's almost like she's more uh, like you know let down, uh, mm. you know, in her, you know, it's a, it's just a, it's a great scene, and I like that. Like I said, it's 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 uh, more left up to people watching it to, to really know like what each person is feeling at that moment. Right, right. Well, cool. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, because my my greatest fear is like telling audiences what to think and feel. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm much I'm much more interested in just like inspiring them to think and feel at all because I don't think we do that enough. It's been like bred out of us over the generations. And so, um, a friend of mine said like one of the nicest things after seeing it. He said that what he liked about it was that he like that we gave him the opportunity as somebody watching to like discover along the way and that we didn't mm-hmm. just like lay it all out there. Yeah. And that like yeah. you want to like, you're kind of like picking up the clues to like figure out the mystery by the end. Sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I'm like, Oh great. Cause like, that's the kind of movie that I like, you know? Right. And, and it's just, it, it does go back to, and I'm sure you under, you get this too, as a filmmaker is like, it's so true. Just make them the types of movies that you yourself would want to make rather than trying to please everybody. Right. right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's mm-hmm. more of like a, it is uh, a lot of modern stuff does like try to, I think, hit people over the head so they know exactly what's happening and how they should feel. Mm-hmm. And where more of like a 70s movie, I think, has more of the words, you know, left up to the audience. And I think, though, too, it's like we can't always help it because I, I mean, in terms of like, like Hollywood, like big blockbusters, that's sort of what the format has become. Mm-hmm. So it can be hard. It can be like a weird place when you feel like you haven't found your audience yet. If you're the type of people who like those types of movies, and like it's not a bad thing. It's just that's what just that different. is. And right. then there's like a different kind <laughs> over here, you know. Yeah. And so, um, like I've always liked much more like like European style, like independent. You know, I think my favorite kinds of films are like independent films that um, with like recognizable faces were like the ones who were you know like Shia LaBeouf films I love him because you know we really got to know him through kind of even Stevens if that was your your generation but also um, Transformers of course and then it's I've been like very I don't know this is a really weird thing to say but I've been very like pleased and honored to be able to experience and like watch Shia LaBeouf's like transformation over the years Mm -hmm. Because he, 
like the more you see the work that he does now and the things that he wants to do and the things, you know, artistically that he wants to do, it's like, you get to really see his soul and that he's like a soft, loving, caring person and that he likes to do these like weird art house films. And, and, you know, we really judged him. We judged him hard (laughs) when (laughs) he was, you know, doing the, but then you, I haven't seen honey boy yet. I want to, um, I haven't seen that either, but yeah. But I always respect that for people. Uh, I forget the guy's name, the guy who played Frodo. But, you know, he does a lot of weird, mm-hmm. you know, independent and, and produces a lot of stuff. Like he produced Greasy Strangler and, and some strange stuff. And I like that because he could just be a mainstream guy, but he does stuff that you could tell he, he's interested in. Totally. Yeah. Elijah Wood, right? Like, Elijah Wood, yeah. He's like, all right, I got my paycheck. I'm going to go cash it out. And now it's <laughs> shit that I want to make. Although, right. I'm sorry, I, I've watched Lord of the Rings the entire uh, series like so many times and oh, I, I have too that. Yeah. Uh, but no for sure and like one of um my favorite films of his is ah oh, fuck it. what's it called with melanie linsky i i just don't want to live in this world anymore with um mm. it's it, and it's uh it's just like it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're like what the fuck is going on this is amazing <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh-huh. um yeah i love uh it's that's so true it's very similar and yeah, yeah so I You're... love like, those are some of my favorite films to like watch. Um yeah. uh Evan Rachel Wood recently. I really liked um oh she like she keeps this like young woman captive. Um she's another one who does really great um really great independent films and has like she seems to have like a really good balance, you know, mm-hmm. of like mainstream and independent films. Um oh Into the Forest, that was a good one with her and um Ellen Page. It was interesting. Okay. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, I'll have um, to check but yeah, that out. So like I'm, I really, I really like um, those sorts of like filmographies of mm-hmm. actors that I respect. Yeah. Like just it's, al- and it's always fun. That I'm gonna uh, start yeah, I would say it's always fun. It's always fun when you do kind of watch a movie from a director or whoever that you never watched before and you like it, and then go and then go and seek out their other stuff and, and watch it all. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because it's like. Yeah, you see these things, you're like, well, I didn't know they were going to do that. And it's like, yeah, they were doing that so that they could survive, like, um, you know, mentally and emotionally and artistically. Because, like, you know, to to be able to get, like, really, to really, like, dig into the, to the types of material that they want to. Mm-hmm. Allure, you should watch that. Allure. Okay, um, yeah, it's Evan Rachel Wood and um, uh, Julia Sarah Stone, who's Canadian. I think she's from Vancouver. I just met her. Um, but, yeah, really great film. Oh, cool. She's also in Honeybee. Nice. Oh, okay. I love Honeybee. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I actually just pulled up IMDb as well. When you, <laughs> but yeah, it's just seven degrees yeah, so of... Like, uh, have you seen Monsters? Do you, do uh, you know Monsters? Monsters where, sounds familiar. So Monsters, the guy who did Monsters, I'm, I'm thinking about reaching out to him because um, so he's one of those where you're like, you're like, where... Why is it not coming out? Oh, yeah, I've seen this. Um, oh, what's his name? Fuck. I can't remember his name. Uh, Gareth Edwards? Yeah. Right um, Monster. Right, 2010. Right. Um, one of my, I think that's probably in, like my top five favorite films. Um, but it's kind of crazy because he's one of those who, like, he went on to do um, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, it doesn't it didn't seem like there's like, he hasn't done many films, but the stuff he's done, it's been like amazing. So yeah, I did monsters and Godzilla and then rogue one. But, um, I want to talk to him and be like, yo, dude, how did you do it? 
<laughs> like to just you know what I mean you go from like one yeah. then to this like next massive thing to this next yeah. massive thing and of course right. you start with something as brilliant as monsters but um yeah it's pretty cool yeah cool. that's like uh the guy who did um oh it's he got a uh uh taiki uh i forget his name he did um oh, waikiki. waikiki yeah because yeah. he did um what we do in the shadows which i love this is really i don't know if you've seen but it's a weird kind of like a I mockumentary about, about about vampires and i loved it yeah. and i remember at the time i tried to get him on the show to talk about it and they were and they i got a reply and they were like uh he's busy uh, directing Thor Ragnarok, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> he went, he went, to, you know, he went on to make, he made this weird, you know, like uh, uh, mockumentary. Now he's directing, you know, a movie for Marvel. I was like, "Okay, well, good for totally. him." Totally, totally uh, weird. <laughs> and as a director, like I have very different goals as a writer, as a director, and as an actor. I'd love to be able to, um, like I'd like to be able to to direct like to get into those sorts of worlds and direct like massive, massive like behemoths of films. Um, because I think that like, I really like that. Like I, I do like, I mean, it, it sounded earlier like I was knocking on like big blockbusters, but I'm not. It's just, I think that they, they all have different like purposes and meanings. Right. And so like, I love the idea of, you know, it's weird. And people are like, Oh yeah, that was some, that was some like shiny Hollywood blockbuster, but it was actually good. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, <laughs> like, because it all goes down to story. Right. 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 And so like when you can really like hook into story and make that your number one goal from start to finish, there's, it's impossible for it to be a bad film. Although I don't, I don't know. I think bad and good are these weird binary terms that I don't think apply. Like I actually truly don't believe that there are any bad actors. I think mm-hmm. that there can be bad performances, mm-hmm. but I don't think that you can say that somebody is a bad actor. Like, you know, you can, some of, you know, you can watch one of your favorite actors and they just seem off in a film, but that could also have to do with, you know, directorial decisions or, you know, editing. And, and so, I don't know. I don't think there are any bad actors. So all you actors out there, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of it's also, there's also a lot of opinion there. So it's like hard to like scientifically prove someone's like a bad actor, but uh, you know, it's more like, I didn't like this. I didn't like their performance as opposed to, oh, they were terrible or something, but yeah. Totally. Totally. I know there's times where like I come out and accidentally say bad and then I'm like, that's that's not what I mean. I mean, blah, 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 blah. And then I can hold you. But, uh-huh. like, I, I truly do believe that we, each and every single one of us, have the ability to to be the most, and I don't even want to say the best versions of ourselves, but I want to say the most interesting, most authentic versions of ourselves, you know? And that can mean whatever it means to anybody. But I think authenticity and is the, I don't know, the key to it all. Finding our, our path to be our true selves. So, yeah. I want to talk about the, uh, the third uh, part of your... Um your anthology or story told in three parts in the absence of angels, which uh, you sent out a, uh, a warning for when people see it. Um, now, obviously there was a rape in it and that's very powerful, but uh, I thought that the, the aftermath of that is actually the most powerful part of the story. Oh my God, Neil, you get it. <laughs> Thank you for getting it. <laughs> well, that was, um, that's great. Uh, I'm glad. I'm like, I'm very thankful that you said that and that, I'm 
it makes me feel like, oh, thank God it worked. <laughs> um, yeah, because of course it's like the 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 rape scene is very intense, but I mean, you know, it's 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 about a woman who who has to make that decision. I think a lot of like the decision as to how she's going to move forward right. after this, and um, right. I think that really came that story. Um, he, he, now you say that even in my notes here, I wrote down, you know, people always ask the question, oh, why didn't they, why didn't she go to the to the doctor or go to the police? And then, you know, because we don't, a lot of people just don't think of what it means to what happens after you get raped or, or what you have yeah. to go through. It. And, you know, this is a story that's trying to, to explain that or at least show that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that was something that was really important for me is like the details, the minutia of the discomfort and the shame afterward, like, you know, like having to clean yourself, like it was so gross. And, and, yeah. and I don't just mean gross, like physically gross. I mean like gross on the inside, like emotionally yeah. gross. How do you get through that? And so, um, it's, I, I love what you just said because a lot of this came from, yeah. Being like, I hate hearing that. Well, if she was actually raped, like why didn't she just go to the police? And mm -hmm. it, you know, it just, it's so much more complicated and so much more messy mm -hmm. um, than that. And I think just like in the types of stories that I like to make and watch, I, I like the mess. Like I like experiencing the mess. Mm -hmm. it, for me, it's all about the mess because when it's clean and neatly tied up, like what's, what's interesting about that, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, and I love private moments. And I, you know why I love private moments? I can pinpoint it to when I realized that. And it was watching... Um, it was watching, uh, oh, I'm just going to look it up what the name of it is. It was a film starring Juliette Lewis. And I went to the Canadian, Canadian screen learning something. It's since been shut down, which is pretty sad. Um, I think it shut about 10 or 12 years ago, but I did this week long, um, acting course in Ottawa and, I think it was Bill McDonald who did it. Um, and he, he screened it and he was like, so you're all going to get to watch this film right now that um, no one else probably will. He's like, I have like 10 DVDs at home of it. And he said, because they made the film and then um, I forget which distribution company it was, but they saw the film and they're like, yeah, we're not going to distribute this, but uh, here you go. Thanks. And like, that was it. <laughs> um, but it, it was starring Juliette Lewis and there's this beautiful scene in it where she's just like in a bathroom by herself. Um, and, or was it a bathroom or bedroom? I don't know. There's a mirror, but it, and it was like funny and endearing and like cute. Um, and, uh, and he was talking about how she's like, how she's a little bit like wacky. Um, and that, they kind of just have to like, they kind of just like let it roll and let her like do her thing. But she's so interesting and intriguing, which I a hundred percent agree with. Like I love Julia Lewis. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was just so cool to see, like, it's so true, right? Like we do things so differently in, in private moments. Like it, it's just, it's, mm -hmm. I, I find it fascinating. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the private moments in, in the absence of angels was, were really important because, that's the stuff that we carry and don't necessarily talk about after really hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's something I, 
I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's never been in anything, but it's definitely not something I've seen in, in many, in many movies or, you know, really, oh. especially to that, to that, uh, degree. And, uh, and then when people talk about being brave and stuff, you know, to, uh, to, to, to tackle that and to show it, you know, and to film it. Cause it's not like, um, you know, you're just, you're showing, you know, what's, what's going on. Uh, in contrast right. with with the with the with the actual rape scene is done in a way where you you know what's happening but it's not necessarily uh graphic you know what i mean um where yes yeah. i mean you see the faces and it's awful obviously but uh but then the aftermath is much more uh a graphic to, to, to watch i wanted it to be like emotionally graphic right that's a good one yeah yeah because like i don't know we're so um I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing like really terrible things mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I don't think they're they're. I don't think it's necessary. Like I, I never wanted uh, Crystal's assault to be um, gratuitous, mm-hmm. and so I just thought it would be more interesting to and and uncomfortable. We had a woman walk out of our screening at the Canadian Screen Awards, mm-hmm. um, screaming like yelling. Uh, because she was like, what is this shit? Like, we don't need to be seeing this. And, and I 100% I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Abhinav Andreas, who played Ricky, who's a very dear friend of mine and such a talented actor, uh, he made a good point in the Q&A afterward. And he was like, I get it. It is difficult. And, like, we're sorry if somebody, you know, if somebody felt, like, really, really wrecked over it. But the whole point as well is that, like, Crystal didn't get to walk away. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was like, wow, Abhinav, you put that in two words so much better than I could have been that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, thanks, but, uh, but, but it's so true, you know, but yeah, the reason, interesting that you talk about the, the, the content warning that I like sent in the email as well. I started doing that. It's not something that, that would have been my, um, that would have been my preference, but it was because we had one woman come up to Paul actually after a screening, they just happened to bump into each other and we're talking. She's like, Oh, what's going on here with? And he's like, Oh, in the absence of angels, blah, blah. And she was like, in an instant, she changed and got really upset. And she said, you know, I understand. I understand where you're coming from as filmmakers, but can you please put a content warning on it? Because it was a lot to just be back into and yeah. and like we could you know we could see that for her like we don't know everyone's stories right, right. So, it, it's, it could bring you know bring up something something from someone's past or totally and so from that moment on paul and i said like it, it wouldn't be our first choice but we really want to respect the people who who should be respected in that moment and so we chose to then like be very clear about it from that moment on so um and it was really important to paul too because he was the one who was in that uh, that conversation with that person and mm-hmm. so he could really feel just how passionate and like how important it was to her and so he really wanted to like honor her by making sure that we did that so yeah. um, and I called Bruce McDonald Bill but I meant Bruce McDonald was, that oh, okay. was like Juliet Lewis film <laughs> okay. um, uh, yeah he's a he's our Canadian sweetheart Bruce McDonald do you know Bruce McDonald, the director? I, I do not. Uh, I might know his stuff if I'd look it up, but I don't know him by name. Totally, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, wears a cowboy hat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, um, then yeah, he's a good great. man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, I, I see him now with a cowboy hat, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I know. Yeah, I I know Pontypool because uh, I'm a big horror guy. So I know Pontypool. Uh, uh, that's a really big um, cult following. It's a really weird uh, horror movie about like uh, kind of like about um, diseases spreading through uh, through audio waves. Ooh, I haven't seen that yet. I'm yeah, gonna have to go and movie. see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Picture Claire is what it was. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he had such great stories about shooting this. It's such an interesting film. I loved it. Picture Claire. All right. So if you that. can get your hands on it, watch it. It's got um Gina Gershwin and um um Caleb Keith Rennie, who's also very interesting. Uh yeah. Really, really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and Mickey Rourke too so oh really that's always yeah. interesting it's a really great song mm-hmm. yeah um yeah uh-huh. <laughs> i just called you keith neil <laughs> neil uh-huh. it's been so great to talk to you you as well lots of, um, lots of uh i mean i could talk film forever mm-hmm. love it yeah i normally ask beforehand how long you have which i probably should have but i think we just got right yeah. into the conversation but yeah, yeah and so uh, where can people follow you and, and see like uh, where her story is being uh, shown next or, or, you know, yeah. where it goes. So we've got, um, if you go to the website at her story in three parts.com, all spelled out, we've got everything's updated on there, all of our screenings and awards and like where you can catch stuff next. Um, there are some, uh, I think the trailers are up there right now as well. And uh, our social media is on there too. So it's, like the best one stop shop her story in three parts.com um but you can follow me on anything um like twitter instagram and facebook it's at this city of mine so it's this city zero f mine instead of an o uh because the o was taken <laughs> uh and i've had that same handle for like i don't know probably 15 years or something but um yeah i'm on instagram and stuff and and I've got Camille Hall at French on Facebook as well. And yeah, connect with me. If anybody's like listening to this and you've got some stuff on the go or want to get some stuff on the go or, you know, want to send me some stuff to watch. I love it. I love it when people send me their stuff to watch. Right. It, sometimes it takes me like a week or two to, or longer to get to it, but I do get to it and I will get to it. Um, right. Yeah. So I would love to connect with anybody, anyone, come on, come all and just, you know, talk movies or like, yeah, like just create, like I'm really open to connecting with people anywhere in the world to just start creating. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, please stay updated or keep me updated on your stuff. I would love to, um, to talk again and I'll let you know what's going on on our end. And yeah, yeah. I and stay I, safe and, Thank you. Time. Yeah, and <laughs> not just because you're here, but I honestly look forward to uh, to seeing more of your stuff as you make it. Because I really, uh, I thought your I thought your three shorts here and the anthology were great, uh, very emotional and uh, well made too. Just uh, thank very, you, thank you so much. Very original too. Is a lot of stuff that I did, I haven't seen in other things. Oh, thank you so so much. Biggest compliment me. ever. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good day. All right. Thanks, Neil. We'll talk soon. Thank you as well. Good night. Well, not good night. Bye bye. (laughs) Way too early for good night. Yeah. See ya. Bye. (laughs) Bye. All my high school friends are off in college now. And I get high and watch TV all day. 
my mother's basement's really not that bad I got everything I need and I don't pay And I never asked to grow up So please don't make me do it I wasn't meant to grow up Don't think I'll make it through it Things have been going south since I hit puberty It looks like growing up is just much for me I was doing fine when I was still a kid Swapping baseball cards and playing ball Then came my school classes that I couldn't understand And girls who wouldn't notice me at all But I never asked to grow up So please don't make me But I say not now No, not right now But when I say I need to get a life I just agree with them But I don't know how No, I don't know for me